Kevin McClure is also going to be sharing. So there's more information on the food table in the back over there if you're interested in that. Um, Communitas cards. Everybody made to find glasses. Can everyone see that? We now have Communitas business cards with the Communitas logo. Yeah, yeah. Bob Newman, thanks to Bob. And there's just some information on the back. It explains um, what we are and where this is. So feel free to take some, pass them out. They're, I think, on the back table also, I believe. So take as many as you want. Um, actually, I think I'm going to pass around. OK, this is the Synergy. We have like 300 sign-up sheets, maybe just three, but I feel like 300. That one is Synergy right there. We also have. Discipleship, we've been talking about that a lot. Um, we just want you guys to get together, whether it's life groups, whether it's mentoring each other, whether it's um, holding each other accountable. Get together. So if you're interested, sign your name. Maybe it's mentoring. We'll contact you. Um, there's a sheet we, we passed out last week, so feel free to sign your name up there if you are interested. And the 500 sign-up sheet we have. Newbies, woo! Raise your hand if you're new. You have not been here before. is your social security number and that's about it. No, just kidding. We already asked you for that. Um, but yeah, write your email address clearly and we'll just send out some information once a week. Also, if you haven't been getting the Communitas update and you've been coming here regularly, sign your name up and you will also get some information. All right, and then also just a quick update. We want to um, just praise God for Robert. Robert, where are you? Robert, yes, hallelujah. Um, we've just been praying for healing for Robert. I think, okay, so you had an MRI scan and the tumor was not growing, is that correct? Correct. Praise the Lord. Why don't you just lay hands on Robert and let's have one person, uh, one person just lead out in prayer for final healing for Robert in this tumor that God is going to dissolve. Go for it. Pray back here. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Lord God, we just thank you for Robert. We thank you for you that you are faithful when we call down the power from heaven. And Lord, we understand that we can't do it, but you said do it and I'll do it through you. So Father, we thank you that you have invited us in to partner with you for, for the sake of praying for one another, for healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out the demonic, and, and ushering in every good blessing to brothers and sisters, those in the camp, and those yet to be called, who have been called from the foundation of the world. And we bless this man of God, and we thank you that you're healing him. We thank you that he is going to be a powerful testimony across the land, and those who say, no, it can't happen, you say yes. And we agree with you, and we call those blessings forth in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let me testify to the healing power of Jesus. I wasn't with you guys last Tuesday. I really missed you. I was in the hospital. Thank you for your prayers. The Lord worked a miracle, and on the up and up, the infection in my legs gone, and they weren't quite sure what it was, but Jesus is the healer. Uh, another quick announcement. Uh, per 61, that ministry is still available at Communitas. Email us if you want to get some one-on-one uh, -on -one prayer counseling time. Uh, to, you know, just walk through anything. Um, that's on the email, email communitasmn.com. Another announcement, the direction of Communitas, uh, something that the leadership's been sensing as we begin to move into the fall time. We're going to, for the first time really ever, kind of have a, fo a little bit more focused teaching time. We're still going to have teachers come in about half the time, but we want to really hit the topic of the knowledge of God. We really want to teach on God because we believe that we're more than a, a social gathering. We're, we believe we're gathering together to point each other to God and, and to Jesus Christ and to grow in our understanding of Him. Uh, so we're going to be going loosely through a book by A.W. Tozer called The Knowledge of the Holy. And so we just want to give you that invitation. We're going to be starting the 7th of September. You can pick that book up on your own. It's a great book. We want to read through that together as a group and begin to go deeper um, and really uh, kind of have a focus for a period of time, uh, a few months, where you know every other week, about we'll be teaching on that. And so, if that's a book that you want to get, otherwise, Communitas, we might buy some and have them for sale. Um, 
So know that as we approach the 7th of September. Let's do that. We're going to get a book, we're going to go through it together, and that's going to give you guys direction in between weeks. We're going to buy them. Some of you guys might have them, so let us know if you do. And if you don't, we'll have a sign-up, I'm sure, to add to the other five, because we don't think you guys have enough sign-ups yet. So. All right, Katie, introduce our amazing speaker. Oh my Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. Just going through the attributes of the character of God. Yes. All right, well, come here talk about Christ. I'm so excited for our speaker. It is my honor to introduce our speaker to you. I work with him. His name is Phil Mather. Um, he is the director at North Heights Church of All the Adult Ministries, and I just love his heart. He's always serving the Lord. You'll find him doing ministry all the time, always serving. So come on up here, Phil. Please welcome Phil Mather. Thank you. Uh, this feels good. All right. Uh, for about eight years, I was a youth pastor. And I gotta let you know that uh, I'm feeling younger by the minute tonight. <laughs> Maybe had something to do with my weekend, but uh, for those that didn't know, I uh, I got to live out a dream this weekend. I was in the faster pastor race out at Cedar Lake Speedway. Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't win. The car did not go unscathed. We bent metal. We had a good time. And, uh, it's one of those things when. You know, when you're trying to let the Lord lead you, there are times you want to just say, not right now, Lord. Uh, and that was happening on race night. And all of a sudden, there was a bunch of, there was 10 other pastors in the, in the Twin City area that were getting together. And all of a sudden, the Lord started just moving on our hearts saying, uh, what about this mission field? And all of a sudden, when we were talking with the owner at the end of the night, he says, uh, I need to meet with you guys. I want to talk about possibly setting up some kind of a ministry at the track. So, so I'll tell you, it was just unbelievable. It was cool. But um, I do want to talk to you a little bit tonight. I am a, I am a visual learner. The more visual, the better for me. Uh, to try to get something off of a page just doesn't always work. When I was in Sunday school, Anything done in comic book form was really good. I can remember that story. So, um, I want to talk to you tonight about worship. And I'm going to use an illustration of an altar. Now, this is not the original one. <laughs> Just want you to know that. It really is not. But it, well, I need to work it a little bit. Okay? Um, a number of years ago, God started working on my heart. And uh, when all is said and done with my life, there's one thing that I am really passionate about, and that is worship. I will make probably a couple of statements tonight that are going to seem pretty God Almighty, but I do mean them. I think worship is the ultimate thing for a member of the body of Christ. Bar nothing other than our salvation. I believe God wants, expects, and in some ways almost demands our worship. My goal in life is that there will be no rock that outdoes me. Amen. Uh, and so that's where I'm at with worship. It's, uh, it's nice to know because I'm not much of a singer, that my wife is the worship leader for the service I'm responsible for at North Heights. Um, and that helps. But I want you to know that that also limits what I'm allowed to have in our living room. I'm a drummer. For some reason, drums are not as nicely a nice piece of furniture as a piano. I don't get that, but I'm, I'm working on it. But the idea of worship has been part of our lives since we were married. From the third month, we had a word given to us um, that this is where our lives need to go and this is what's going to happen. Now, what does that mean? He said, I want you to learn worship to the max. And I want you to know that as much as I am learning, every time I learn more, I feel like 
I'm learning less. I haven't grasped it, but boy, there's a lot out there. One of the things that started happening is I started studying the Old Testament. And I want to set a couple of criteria right now. This is a representation, and tonight I'm going to use it as helping us with a symbol. I am not saying that I want us to go back to temple worship. Okay? But what I am saying is so many times we sometimes refrain as speakers from getting into a lot of symbolism. But I'm going to take that prerogative tonight because I feel it will help us understand the level of worship God wants to take us to. Fair enough? So don't wake out on... Really, Phil, where did you get that thought? Just write it down. Email Paul later and he'll figure it out. So, with that... I need some help. Could somebody help pass these things out for me? I did put your worksheet together. Uh, and you don't have to fill anything out on it. I'm also one that if it's more than a half a page, it usually gets lost. So I put it in half size paper for you. But with that, as you're passing it out, let's just ask the Lord to be here. Heavenly Father, precious Savior and Holy Spirit, we ask that your presence would rest heavy as it already is here. I ask that you would take us to new depths. Lord, our desire is to be a people that know how to worship. And that above everything else, Lord, we worship you in purity and in holiness. So Father, tonight I ask that you would just quicken to our hearts tonight the things that you're wanting to share. Amen. I want you to know that um, for a number of years I have worked and I've gotten a set of uh, studies put together on the Old Testament tabernacle and how it pertains to life today. Uh, I know that's thousands of years ago, but that's okay. And I'll, I want to give you a brief recap so that this piece of furniture makes some sense to you. So I'm going to do about a four-minute clip on what the tabernacle looks like for those that may not understand it or how it's laid out. First of all, remember that the tabernacle was something for many years before Solomon that they carried it around in the, in the wilderness. So it had to be portable. One of the things that happened is it sat in the middle of all of the tribes. In fact, if you look at the way the Lord had them all laid out, the tabernacle was in the middle of the cross member of, of a cross-shaped form. Again, significance there that worship is at the cross. Okay? So, as you came into the tabernacle area, the first thing you came up against would be a very large brazen altar. It's about seven feet square. This is where the priests spent a lot of their time. This is where the sacrifice happened. It was a very bloody place. Ugly. Animals screaming from being cut. Fire. Stench. Stink like you wouldn't believe. I grew up in South St. Paul, which is known for stockyards. Alright. Now on Fridays, they would, they would rush out the kills. That's where they killed all the animals. If the stink and stench was strong, we knew it had been a good week, business-wise. If there wasn't much of a smell, we wondered what happened, because, I mean, they didn't run enough cattle through that week. But I want you to know this, that smell, there's only you can only smell close to stockyards. I believe it was the same type of smell that happened right around the brazen altar. And the brazen altar, while it was bloody, was also a place of redemptiveness. Spot to just think about so is Calvary as our brazen altar. That's where the sacrifice was laid. That's where everything was paid. It was bloody. It was gory. It was ugly. And yet it was worth it for our redemption. You move from the brazen altar to the labor, which is where the priests, after they had done all the, the bloody sacrificing, had to go and wash themselves because they could not enter into the holy and holy of holies with blood on them in any way. The labor was made of a mirror-type material. 
Well, one of the things that's unique about the labor is nowhere in Scripture does it tell us how big the labor is. Significant point with that, the washing of grace has no end. It is there. You cannot find an edge and say, well, I'm out of grace. I believe the labor is a very good, strong representation to us of what God's grace is like. It helps. Grace helps us see ourselves, how we are, what we need to change, how we need to get some of the impurities out of our life. But it is always there for us. So you move from the labor, then after that, and they could now start moving into what they call the holy place, which is divided into two areas. First two thirds of it was known as the holy place. The last third of it was the holy of holies. In the holy of holies, that's where the ark of the covenant was. That's where quote God sat. Okay. Between the two sections was a big veil, and right in front of the veil was this um, altar of incense. If you will turn with me, if you've got your Bibles, I want to just give you a couple of things to look at. I left the scriptures on the top there, and you can read them um, at your convenience, but I want to establish a couple of things tonight as we begin to teach this, starting in Exodus, the 30th chapter. Right at verse 1 there. And I'll give you a second. Is there any sheets back there? Or are we out? You know. And if anybody wants a pen or pencil, raise your hand. We'll pass it off to you. Want a pen or pencil? Any more sheets in the back? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, now I don't know if you're raising your hand for a sheet or a pen. I think it's important that we understand how this piece of furniture was put together. Again, this is a representation. This is not actual acacia wood and stuff like that. But again, it will help with our visual. In verse 1 it says, Make an altar of acacia wood for burning incense. It is to be a square, a cubit long, and a cubit wide, and two cubits high. Its horns of one piece with it. Overlay the top and all the sides and the horns with pure gold. And make a gold mounting or molding around it. Make two gold rings for the altar below the molding. Two on the opposite sides to hold the poles used to carry. Make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Put the altar in front of the curtain that is before the Ark of the Testimony or the Ark of Atonement, before the atonement cover that is over the testimony where I will meet with you. Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamp. He must burn incense again when he lights the lamps at twilight. So incense will burn regularly before the Lord for the generations to come. Do not offer on this altar any other incense or any burnt offerings or any grain offerings, and do not pour a drink offering on it. Once a year, Aaron will make an atonement on its horns. The annual atonement will be made with the blood of the atoning sin offering for the generations to come. It is most holy to the Lord. I'm going to teach this in a way tonight that I'm going to stop every now and then and say, and here's a conclusion we can grab from that or think about this. I'm very much interactive, so just I'll try to explain it as best I can, but my intent tonight is that we experience worship to a new level. If we don't experience God in new ways on a continual basis, I have a hard time with that. Within adult ministries, it has to be experiential. If it's not experiential, it's just head knowledge, and that is fine, but we've got to be living it out. Okay? So that's where we're at. I want you to know that this is not a formula of worship. I don't believe God works formulas very often. Okay, but this is a pattern of some things that we can look at that we know that if we will follow certain patterns, His presence will come. So that being said, one of the things that has to happen, first of all, is that we need to make sure that we've left our sin at the brazen altar. 
We can't come into God's presence in any way with sin in our lives. He wants us pure. He wants us clean. He wants us holy. That's why the brazen altar was there, is to sacrifice and say, yes, I want to be rid of this sin. And then to spend time at the labor, allowing ourselves to be washed by the Holy Spirit to make sure that we are clean so that we can come into the powerful presence of God. If we try to come in with sin, there's trouble. Now, I'm not saying so dogmatic that, all right, so if there's one little sin in my life, bang, God's going to blow me away. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if you're having trouble understanding why things are not being answered in your life, I would advise you to check, is there sin in my life that needs to be dealt with? The other thing I want you to understand is worship does not mean just singing. Okay? That is worship in all forms. That may be on your face before God. It may be taking a walk. It may be sitting in the dentist chair praying for the hygienist. Any of this can be worship because that's what we're supposed to be living. So worship has to come out of us. And the importance of that is that it continually flows. So it's not a one-time thing, and it's not an event. It is a lifestyle. I struggle when we try to put worship into a slot on a Sunday morning. No, worship is not a slot. Worship is a lifestyle. Sunday morning should be no different than Tuesday afternoon or Thursday morning. Worship needs to be a continual thing in our lives. Also remember that this piece of furniture that God put in the tabernacle was right in front of the veil. Okay? We'll explain that in just a little bit further, but just remember that. So, the one thing that we know about this altar is this is where the priests would come, and this is, because of the veil, this is the closest the priests on a daily um, daily time frame could get to God. This is as close as they could come. Once a year, the, the high priest could go behind the veil into the Holy of Holies. Other than that, this is as close as they got. This is where it says they burned incense day and night. That's worship. So our worship is the thing that brings us as close to God as possible. We need that worship to be flowing through us. That's why I'm so passionate about it. If He is my Lord and Savior and He is my King, I want to do everything I can to pay homage to Him in every way, shape, or form. So worship is that. So the conclusion that we can make with some of this is if this is the closest we get, figuratively speaking, is through our worship, what does our worship life look like? What does my praise and worship and my prayer life really look like? So I want to talk about, first of all, the altar. It was made of acacia wood. Acacia wood was known for its strength as well as it was overlaid in gold. Gold stands for purity in Scripture. Conclusion, our prayer and our praise and our worship life need to have strength and purity involved in that. There needs to be purity in every area. But our, our prayer life, our worship life, can have strength if we will allow it. It should be the strongest part of our walk with the Lord. And I am all for devotions, I believe it. I preach it. Memorizing the Word, absolutely. Uh, doing individual Bible studies or group Bible studies has to be. But the strongest part of our life needs to be our worship life. Um, so the question I want to ask you just to think about is this. Have you ever had impure or manipulative prayers. What do you think that smells like to the Father? Maybe like the stockheads. Okay? I want to encourage you. Make sure that when you come to prayer, you're not trying to manipulate God to do something. That's not pure. Purity says, I'm coming to God and saying, here I am. What do you want to do with me? So, I want to talk also then about the rings. Now there's some significance to the rings, and there's been, if you have certain versions, it may seem like they're talking about 
four rings and other versions it's two. From all the study that I can put together and looking this up, it seems like it comes up with two rings in Scripture. And each of the rings were put on the opposite sides. They were made of gold. And this is where the priests, when they were moving the ark, this uh, the ark or the uh, altar of incense, when they were moving it through the wilderness, they would run poles through each of the rings to carry it. One of the rules, rules, laws that were laid out, is that this altar was never to be in any other position but horizontal. By having it with just two rings, the priest could go up a hill or down a hill, and this would stay level. Point to think about, that's the way our prayer life is supposed to be. No matter if we're going in a valley or if we're going up to the mountaintop, our praise and prayer life and our worship life needs to stay level. The circumstances of life, and Paul, I want to thank you for stepping out there tonight and just praying for people that are going through a struggle. Because we're going through a struggle does not change the fact of how I praise. It does not change my worship life. It should not. Let's put it that way. Does it? Sure. But the, I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to get to a point that no matter what happens in life, our worship to an Almighty God is consistent. It doesn't matter what we're going through. So, catching the point, we've got to be practicing this in order to keep it level. So that's the significance of the rings as pertains even in with, with worship. Now we've got horns. And the horns were supposed to be on each of the corners. There was blood placed on the horns on a, on a regular basis. This is to help remind us, in a spiritual sense, with this type of an altar in our hearts, that we worship God for what He has done and for who He is. Worship should always drive us to starting with what the price was paid at Calvary. We can't come into the middle of worship if we don't realize where we needed to come from. I'm sure my life is no different than yours. There are mornings when 8.30 has caused all sorts of grief. And if we're not careful, um, ugliness can be part of life. Um, I'm not allowed to race on to work in the morning. You know, you got to keep, you don't cut people off. You may think certain things, you may say certain things, but what is their problem, Lord? And, you know, okay, Lord, calm me down. I need to get back to being level. But the horns represent power. There is power in prayer, and I know you know that, but there is power in our worship. The strength that comes from worship is unbelievable. For some of you, that may be a statement that you can readily agree with others saying, but you don't know what I'm going through, Phil. Well, I want you to trust me tonight with the fact that worship gives us strength. It is holding on to the, to the horns of the altar that causes us strength. Our strength comes in multiple ways. But there are times, and some of you may be here right tonight, as Paul was praying earlier, you are going through a battle. Guess what? Grab onto the horns and hang on for all your worth. Do not let your circumstance change your worship life. May it increase it rather than decrease it. So if you need to, spiritually speaking, grab onto the horns and hold on. Now, the coals. Mary, if you could help me with this. The coals have some significance that I, I want you to, and I'm zipping through this because I want us to get to the experience part of this. And yes, I have permission to do this, just so you know. This is my wife, by the way. Isn't she pretty? I'm a lucky man. Yes, I am. Uh, the coals. Now, there's a significance to this that I want you to catch. This fire was fire that was taken from the brazen altar. God lit 
the brazen altar the first time. But from that point on, it was the priest's responsibility to keep the fire going. Isn't that the way God does it in our lives? He ignites something. Our problem is we want Him to be there igniting all the time. He said, no, I've given you the ability to keep this going. Um, that would not be one job I would want. Think about the priest was a little tired. We wouldn't want that fire going out because how's it going to get started again? But this, they actually took coals from the brazen altar, the redemptive site, and brought it in. And that's how the fire was kept going in, in this altar. I'm going to give you one area where it didn't work well. Aaron's sons had two of them, at least in this account. And you know what happened? They brought in, Scripture calls it, in the, in the New King James calls it profane fire. They did not have the fire from the brazen altar. They brought in a different fire. God said, no way, and they were gone. The fire of God came down and just annihilated Okay, I think there's an importance to that because where the fire started, God wants us to know that what ignites our worship is the price that was paid at Calvary. All of us, we could be in worship, but if we don't realize where our worship starts from, that is at Calvary. The price was paid there. That's the thing, no matter how bad the day gets, that's the thing that motivates us. It doesn't matter. I mean, water in the basement. But you know what? That doesn't change the fact that Jesus died for my sins and I am living in victory with Him. That's the kind of fire that the altar of worship, the altar of incense, represents. Now, also remember this, that that fire caused a lot of stink. That this fire was to bring incense and sweetness. Isn't that God? That He would take something that had stench to it and would change it and use the same fire that caused death to cause sweetness. True repentance is the only thing that can cause us to be accepted by God. And now I want to talk about the incense. A couple of I won't overdo it. For those that are wondering, uh, this is as allergy safe as you can get. Okay? All right. Honestly, I've got it under control here. Great. Um, but the incense has two purposes. First of all, it represents our prayers, our praise, and our worship life. This right here. What you're seeing right now, I believe, represents your lives. You see, in Psalms 141, verses 1 and 2, it says this, O Lord, I call to you. Come quickly to me. Hear my voice when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. We go a little further into Exodus, the 30th chapter. It starts talking about what the incense was made of. And it says down in verse 34, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Take fragrant spices, gum rosin, um, okcha, okcha, gavon, and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts, and make a fragrant blend of incense that work the work of a perfumer, and it is to be salted and pure and sacred. Grind some of it into power and place it in front of the testimony in the tent, in the tent of meeting where I will meet with you. And it, sh it, and it shall be most holy to you. So I want to talk about what this stuff is like. Um, if you were to look at it, I'll have you come up and be able to see this here in a few minutes. There are five ingredients it looks like junk. Honestly, it is just, it looks like something you scraped off the beach, okay? <laughs> the first one is as a rosin. The term that they use is stacti. Now that is like rosin from a pine tree. 
Anybody been in the woods lately? You know how, isn't that the most irritating thing in the world when you get a little of that sap? I mean, you cannot rub that stuff off. You'll peel skin before you get that stuff to go off. Okay? And it's an irritant. It irritates us to have it happen. And yet, that's one of the ingredients to incense. A conclusion on this whole thing is, remember that sap just kind of runs freely? You know, it's not one time or another. It just starts running. And uh, I shouldn't probably admit this, but when we were in the woods with my brother one time, I uh, found a tree that was at sap running very freely. And uh, I got him in a position so I could shove him back against that thing. I'm telling you, Mom was not happy because the clothes were basically ruined. But the sap was gooey. And it was it, it was just ugly. Sap in the normal, we don't like it. It's, it just gets in your hands. Um, you try to rip that stuff off as best you can. Yes? Is everybody hearing that? Okay. Very correct. When he was saying when he was out in the woods and if he'd get cut, he would use balsam fir sap to cover over the wound because it would help protect it. Okay? Part of the reason it was good is because it was sticky. It would stick to the wound. It would cover that area. Okay? So you've got this rosin that's being worked with, but it flows freely. Conclusion I want you to think about when it comes to worship is that nothing should stop our praise and worship life, and that it needs to flow in a very free way. Don't let anything slow it down. Anacha is the next part that they said needed to be part of the incense. Now, this is a fluid that comes from a shellfish that is found two to three hundred feet down in the Red Sea. Okay, it's just not something easily found. Here's a conclusion I want you to grab from this type of, or this ingredient in the incense. Our worship needs to come from the depths of our soul. We don't want our worship to be surface. And I feel that's one of the reasons that this ingredient was put into the making of the incense that God required. Realizing that the incense that God put together was not allowed to be used anywhere else. I think God wants us to have a deep, whole worship. The next ingredient, again, remember these are all in equal portions, was balm, which is a kind of rosin that comes from a limb of a, of a bush that has had either been split or broken. What they would do is late in the afternoon, they would go out and break it or cut it, and then nothing would happen, but they would go out the next morning and they would find a hunk of the sap and the rosin right there. Spiritual point I want you to grab on this is the fact that our praise and worship life many times flows out of our broken areas. Okay? We don't have to like the broken areas, but God wants to use those areas. And those are our experiences in life that make us unique from other people. So don't be so quick to just shove that part of your life aside. Let it happen. Let God really use those broken areas. Another area, another ingredient that we come up to is the frankincense. Now, we know about this from Christmas, okay? But this fragrance came, again, from another tree. And what they would do is they would go out and they would pierce it up as high as they could pierce the bark 
and then they would do a spiral cut around it, and then they come, they'd be gone for the day. And nothing would happen again until um, the next morning. Both of these rosins, nothing happened at the time they were pierced. It came later, or when they were broken, it came later. Scripture says in Psalm 30, and I know we all know this one, weeping, ha- weeping may remain for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Worship is, our part, is where joy comes in. Now, the reality is there are piercings that sometimes happen. Again, just like being broken, piercings happen in our life, and they hurt terribly. But God wants to use those things in our lives. Salt was the preservative. We all know that, but we, we also know that we are supposed to be a salt, to be the salt in a saltless world. We need to make sure all of those ingredients are together. So, all equal parts, and then what happens is God said, now take them and just start crushing them. We don't like being crushed. We don't like it in any way, shape, or form. But the reality is, there are crushing times. And that's what makes us sweet. One other thing about incense that I want you to know is that it is very penetrating. Okay, I'm going to give a warning right now. Please watch your speed going home tonight. If the police pull you over, they'll wonder where you've been and what you've been doing. Because this smell permeates every area. You will go home tonight stinking. Okay? It will for me it won't be in my hair, but for the rest of you it will. Okay? I don't have to worry. But your clothes will stink. And I'll surrender. Really. It does wash up. But let's take that spiritually. Our worship life should be penetrating the world that we're in. In every way, shape, and form. You can't, in other words, I can't stop it from going over to that corner or over here. It just happens. And that's the way our worship life should be. We should be penetrating this world, our families, our friends, our jobs, every area, with worship. So let it happen. Incense, as I see it, is our lives. Okay? Your life and mine. Reality is, as I told you earlier, this just looks like junk. Isn't that the way our lives look to us many times? But I want you to know that when you take the junk of your life and you throw it on the altar of worship, it smells sweet to the Lord. Okay? The reality is if we'll let ourselves be on this altar of worship, we will smell good. You see, we sometimes see ourselves as useless. Some of us have a lot of pains from the past. But on God's fire, it's sweet. The reality is that sweetness is what He desires in every way, shape, or form. Another thing, and you'll notice this as you come up Incense, when it's done burning, there's nothing left. There's no ash. Again, those things in your life that you want God to deal with, if you will throw them on the altar of worship, they're gone. In God's presence, He does not see that stuff. It is clean and pure. To the point that when we're done tonight, all that will be in here will be the ash from the, the briquettes that I'm using and the sand. <coughs> the incense vaporizes. Isn't that cool? The garbage of my life, if I'll lay it on God's altar, is no longer garbage and it is not part of my past in God's eyes. Now I have to deal with it. So you know what? That's why I love worship. 
I can run in and say, guess what? You may stink to me, but there you go. Whew, I smell good to God. <laughs> and that's what worship is all about. Worship brings us to a point of saying, I know how I've been put together, but I lay my life down, Lord, right now. I put my life on the altar of worship. And I will do what you want me to do. And I will praise you no matter what. No matter what the garbage, no matter what stuff I went through in the past, no matter how my family relations were, or good or bad, it does not matter. It doesn't matter what kind of a student I was. It doesn't matter even what kind of job I'm doing. All that matters is that my life is a life of worship before an Almighty God. Am I saying it straight enough? I hope so. Because my passion... For, I hate to do this because I want to be part of your generation so bad. So I am in my heart, okay? If we're going to reach this world, we have to be living an experiential life of worship on a daily basis. I so want, and I hate the numbers I'm seeing all the time of 4%. I want to change that around. I want 96% this world to be serving the Lord, not 4%. In fact, I heard like 100%, but yeah. <laughs> I know that there's some that struggle. But I, I, I can handle 96 better than I can handle 4. But I don't believe it's going to happen unless we allow ourselves to truly be instruments of worship. I want to read you something and then we're going to move into a time of ministry. It's from a book called The Tabernacle, Shadows of the Messiah. And it says this, before the priests could offer incense of prayer, three requirements had to be met. First, the priests had to minister at the brazen altar, shedding the blood of an animal for their sins. Before they were able to come, in, come before a holy God in prayer, we must be cleansed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Second, the priests had to wash all defilement from their hands and feet before they could enter the holy place to offer the ministry of prayer. We must confess our sins and come before God with clean hearts before He can hear our prayers. Unconfessed sin in the lives of believers hampers God from listening and responding to our prayers. I said hampers. It doesn't stop it, but it can hamper it. Unconfessed sin in our lives, in the lives of believers, hampers God from hearing and responding to our prayers. Third, the priest had to be in the holy place to offer the incense of prayer. It is only when we are in proper relationship with God that we can have the full assurance that He will answer our prayers. Earlier I said I wanted you to remember something about the way the tabernacle was put together. Just before you got into the Holy of Holies, there was the veil. When Christ died on the cross... Remember what was ripped? The veil. The thing that was right, the thing that would stop the most intimate part of our worship got ripped open. So that my life, He can smell and see all that's going on and it's directly to the throne. I believe that when we're in worship, that's exactly how God looks at it. The veil has been ripped and we are there worshiping Him without it having to go around a curtain or under a curtain or over a curtain. It's right there in front of Him. And I believe He is pleased in all ways, shape, and form. The conclusions that I uh, gave you tonight are on the back of the sheet. But what I would like to do is um, I want to open up opportunity for you to come forward if you desire put a little incense on the fire. And I'm saying little, please. Okay? I, uh, I did this one time and I didn't say that. And somebody grabbed a handful. Bob <laughs> choked us. Okay? Paul, Paul and the family have given us permission. I, uh, I do want them to be able to breathe tonight. So one or two grains of the incense is all I'd like you to do if you want to. I want you to realize worship has power. And for some of you, you may come up and say, Phil, the incense is important, but right now i just got to grab on to the horns. I'm going through a major struggle. 
then grab on for all your words. Symbolically grab on and say, Lord, I'm not letting go. I am not letting go. Maybe you feel like your praise and worship life has been going up and down. Grab the rings and say, Lord, from this point forward, I'm going to do everything I can to keep my, my worship life level for you. I'm going to be growing every day in that. Also, maybe that you just want to throw incense on there and say, Lord, from this point forward, I am, I am going to trust you more than I ever have with the junk of my life. I want to give it to you as worship. Make sense? So with that, um, we have a prayer team, I think, too. Could I have the prayer team, if they want, come first and then be ready? So if I could have those that are going to be doing ministry, if you could come first if you want. And then from this point, you come forward as you desire or want. Heavenly Father, we ask through the power of Your Spirit that You would help us realize the importance of true worship. So tonight, Lord, I ask that You would touch our hearts in a way that maybe we've not been touched before. I ask, Lord, as, as those that come forward for things, that they would find the release in their spirit that they have been desirous of. We will praise You and we will thank You for what You have done. Amen.